Hi everyone, and welcome to the Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am your host, Amanda, and I am so glad you are here. This is a space for dance teachers and anyone interested in teaching dance who is looking for motivation and fresh ideas. As teachers, we spend our days motivating and giving pep talks to our students. And now this podcast is a pep talk just for you. We hope that it helps to ignite new ideas and even work through some deep dance-related thoughts before you head into the studio. Thank you for your support, and now let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dance Teacher Pep Talk. I am recording this episode on a Sunday, and it's actually the day before my first full week of season 2023-2024 classes. So I'm very excited. I have so many thoughts, you know, swirling through my head about things that I want to do in my classes, ideas for the first day, things that I hope to do in this month of September, and seeing how my goals just stretch throughout the year. So it is an exciting time. It's also truly a little bit of an overwhelming time because I do have all these thoughts and I'm trying to collect them all together in a way that makes sense and also to prepare for what is ahead this week. So I'm very excited to be back in the studio and also I'm so excited to be here sharing different ideas and thoughts that come up for myself through this dance year. And I just want to start off again by thanking all of you so much for your listens, your support everything with this podcast because I am just feeling such a great sense of fulfillment with this podcast and being able to share my ideas and I'm so looking forward to also being able to share others' ideas. Um, My hope is that maybe late fall, early winter, I hope to begin having some interview episodes here too so that I can get other dance teachers sharing inspiring thoughts and ideas in this setting. I just think it is such an amazing community that we have as dance teachers and I love the support and love that we have for each other because we all know what it's like. You know, nobody really knows what a dance teacher does other than another dance teacher. And so just having this great supportive network and reaching out to others, I think I'm just, I'm really so excited for that. And I'm also just so excited that all of you listening are here listening to the content and enjoying it. And I hope that you are finding it beneficial and I'm hoping that it's bringing you new thoughts for the new year. Today's episode is going to sort of go a little bit deep into some different topics that we haven't really talked about yet on Dance Teacher Pep Talk. However, they really do align with the overall message that I have been trying to build here in this podcast. And that is a message of mindfulness. And if you didn't listen to Tuesday's episode, I highly recommend it because it's just one of those other episodes to kind of get yourself off on the right foot this season and to just be really aware because mindfulness is hugely about the present moment and you're going to see me constantly referring to that through the podcast because I just think it's a great reminder. Like I always need that reminder and when I have it, I just feel that much better. And today's episode is really being mindful about teaching to the individual in our class. Because, you know, when we are teaching, most of the time, the settings that we have 
their group settings, class settings. You know, maybe on occasion you're teaching a private lesson or a semi-private lesson, but for the most part, as dance teachers, we're usually teaching to a group. And depending on your class size, it may be difficult to find yourself reaching out to each individual in the class for a specific time period. And so today we're gonna talk a little bit about that and to really dive deep into how can we teach the individual in a crowd or in a group setting. And so this can always be different because I know class sizes can be all over the place. Like in one class, maybe you have six dancers and then in another class, maybe you have 20. It, you know, it can all be different. And then on top of that, you also have the multiple classes that you teach. So you might have so many students and it's so important for us to remind ourselves that yes, we have these groups of classes coming in, but those groups and classes are made up of individuals that are coming in because they each love dance and they are each looking to get something specific out of it as individuals. And so today's episode is gonna really dive into that because I do think that, especially with dance, um, and you know, when we think about at the end of our year, we're pulling together a class recital performance, if your studio does that, um, we really do tend to group our classes in a uniformed manner, which makes sense because you know, we are trying to reach for unity, we're trying to reach for togetherness, we're trying to reach all of these different ideas of the group as a whole. And a lot of the times we're teaching to the group as a whole. And in many ways, I feel like it's almost the exact same as having a team in sports. So if you're playing a sport, you're on a team. And in dance, when you're coming in, you have a class. I mean, it even comes down to dress code. Like many studios will have a specific dress code that they are asking their classes to follow. So if you're having your dancers all coming in in a black leotard and tights, they all look uniform. They are all reaching that same status of togetherness, as I mentioned before. And so with a team, similar to that, like you, you would have your uniform. But with dance, I feel that we need to really remind ourselves that though we are looking for that class mentality, that we as teachers really should try to make an effort to reach each individual with a class. Because yes, we're all a team and I think it's an amazing thing. Teamwork, classwork, all of that is going to take you so far in life through your life lessons. But it's also really important that we're understanding how each person is entering the space as an individual. If you are a studio that does competition, even think about the excitement, anticipation, and great hope that dancers have when it comes to having a solo. Now, we know that in dance, solo work is much more rare or infrequent than group work and together work. And so having a solo opportunity is huge for them. And, and you can see that. You can see that excitement. You can see that light up when that happens. And it really makes me realize and remember that we love dance. We absolutely love it. But everybody wants to share their voice Everybody wants a time and a chance to feel special, to feel seen, and I truly believe that we can do that even within our weekly classes to find that. So how can we make each student feel like the special person that they are? No matter what age you are, 
everybody always wants to feel seen and recognized for something. Like even think about it yourself. When was the last time that you really felt seen, appreciated, recognized, commended for the work that you do? Or even just for you being you. It doesn't necessarily have to be the work that you're doing. And how good that it felt to be seen, to be recognized, to just be noticed. I strongly believe that you know, it's a human quality. It's a human nature to want to be accepted. You know, it's a, a the need and the deep desire for that, wanting to be accepted, wanting to be part and understood as a single person in a greater whole. That is such a human desire that I feel so many people, I feel like we all have truly. I mean, when you really get down to it and so much of this stems from ego. And I know that ego can sometimes be seen as a really bad thing. You know, like somebody could be like, oh, that girl has such a big ego. Like if I were to say the word ego in my dance class to my students, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's a bad thing. Like having an ego is really seen as like a narcissistic trait or something. It's it's really seen as something like bad and oof, stand away from that. But if you were to look up the definition of ego, so the Oxford Languages says that ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And as dance teachers, we are always trying to help build up our dancers' self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth, because, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, these dancers are going on stage most of the time and sharing from a deep place. And in order to do that, we need to build up their self-esteem and self-confidence so that they feel secure and ready to do that. So ego, if it is our self-esteem or sense of self, sense of self-importance, we all have it. It is something that everybody has. And when we are teaching as teachers, I think it is so important for us to have an understanding of this. So some of the topics we're going to talk about right now come from my education background. And it might not be something that we necessarily think about while going through or planning our dance classes. But I truly believe it is so beneficial to think about this because I think that if we know about these things, we're going to go at planning our classes a little differently. And in some of the situations that arise in our classes, we might handle them a little bit differently too. So if we're talking about ego in an elementary age child, so or more so like ages two to seven. um, So this is coming from an article written by Childhood Explained, but in Piaget's stage for the ages two to seven year olds, egocentrism at the core is the belief that children this age can only see, think, and feel from their own perspective. They cannot understand things from someone else's perspective. Okay, so think about that as those age children are coming into your class. All right, now another interesting thing that happens, so after elementary and we're heading into our adolescence, during adolescence, our brain completely rewires and it doesn't complete itself until the age of 25. So when we're looking at dancers coming in during that adolescent time period, there is huge brain changes going on. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But going along the lines of ego in adolescent, 
age groups is that this age is really preoccupied with what others think of them. It becomes an excessive self-consciousness. This is coming from an article written by Newport Academy. So tweens and teens may even become paranoid, believing that others are scrutinizing their every move. It can lead to intense insecurity, and it can make them feel perpetually inadequate as if they don't measure up. It can also be seen on the other side of this with an inflated confidence, and that so that could be another way that this might show up within your adolescent population. So th- that was from Newport Academy, and then the previous elementary was from Childhood Explained. So when we're hearing those things, when we're hearing about how our elementary students are entering the space and what they're open to or available for and what our adolescent students are doing in, we need to really make sure that the environment that we are building for them caters to making them feel more seen and heard because at these times of their life, they need support. They really need support. Like when you think about it, we cannot expect these dancers to come into the space and to treat them as if they were adults or to expect them to have um, emotional capabilities the way that an adult does because they're, it's not just their bodies that are growing, their brains are growing, their brains are changing. And unlike a school setting, we really have a great advantage of helping these children that are coming into our classes to feel supported and to feel seen because sometimes, you know, depending on what age levels you teach and what you see, these dancers may get to experience having you as a teacher for multiple years in a row. At school, they're only getting one teacher for that year or the one teacher that teaches certain subjects. And then in the next year, they move on. And And they're doing this for 12, I mean, I guess maybe 13, if you include like kindergarten and stuff, 13 years of their life. And, you know, when you look back um, right now, 12 or 13 years, that probably doesn't feel like that long ago. And it doesn't feel like that large of a span of a time. So supporting these dancers as they come into our space needs to be such a high priority, just as much as the skills that we're teaching them. So reaching out to the individual on this case too is so important because just as I mentioned for elementary students they can only see think and feel from their own perspective they don't necessarily understand involving someone else's perspective and for adolescent dancers that are coming into your space and you may see this you may already know this even without hearing this but like your teens that are coming in they are so self-conscious and so worried about what others think of them to the point where at times it maybe even inhibits the movement that they're doing and I know that looking back on my past and my childhood and my adolescence I can absolutely say that's true and I wonder if others of you can also see that same type of feeling so with this It really comes with such a general underlying theme of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be seen, and wanting to be heard. And as much as we're a part of a class setting, when you reach an individual, that is huge. That can be when the light bulb moments happen. That is when they are feeling appreciated. They are feeling proud. They are feeling connected to the work that they're doing. So I'm going to share a couple ways that I try to teach to the individual within a whole class setting. Because at the end of the day, all of the parts 
need to be equally strong for the team and the group to be strong. So I do spend a lot of time trying to reach and trying to understand each individual within my class. So this one is going to seem like a really small one, but using someone's name can go a super long way whether it's giving a correction, whether it's giving a praise, making sure that you're using the dancer's name when addressing them because, again, they're going to feel seen, they're going to feel recognized. And I do feel it's important when giving um, critiques or giving feedback that we really try to make it the most positive that we can because, as I mentioned, these dancers that are coming into your space, if you're no, if you're in the studio setting, I should say, they are under age 25, and so their brains are not finished rewiring yet, and I don't think that we should approach it, that they have the emotional capacity that an adult over 25 has. And I mean, I am all for treating them as young adults, not treating them like babies, not coddling them, like that sort of thing. I'm just saying that in general, the way that we speak to them should have a positive message, should have a positive vibe. Because looking back, I mean, there might be times that you remember getting a critique or getting called out for something. And you probably remember those times because they're felt a shame around it or you felt a great upset around it because we are always wanting to please and do well like that is such another like human desire is to do well to feel as if you're doing your part for the greater whole or the greater goal that we're focusing on so you if you're remembering those things and those negatives do you want to be that negative voice or that negative thought that that dancer remembers in their future i'm guessing probably not and so it is so important that the way that we're approaching things is something that we are aware of. We want to make sure that we are being present in the correction that we're giving and how we are giving it. So I think whether you're giving a praise or whether you're giving a correction, it's really important to give the how and the why. So even if somebody's doing a great job, don't just say like, great job going across the floor. Tell them why. Allow them to understand what it was that they did well that time. And if it's something that they need to improve upon, making sure that we also tell them how to get there or how to help them through what it is that you're asking to correct. So very important on those items. The other thing that I mentioned in a previous episode is using goal sheets And I did a little post on this too, but for your adolescent ages, you can do goal sheets for what they're hoping to learn in this particular year. And for your elementary students, you might actually set up the goals for them. But then as you're watching your class week to week, look at who is meeting the goals at what point and benchmark, because not everybody is going to meet the goals at the exact same pace and way. So it's important to know that like, okay, this dancer here, she's meeting the goal and we're ready to advance her to the next part of this step. But this dancer over here is still struggling with this part of the goal. So we need to give a little bit more help and attention to that before we can move on to the next part. And another way that I do this to the individual is sometimes I break the class up into groups based on where the dancers are at with the goals that they're doing. So for example, if this group of dancers has met the goal just like that other dancer, maybe I'm putting them together on one side of the room working on the next part and maybe I'm taking the time with the other group of dancers on the other side. 
with my teens, I actually go a lot further with this. And this is probably like a big undertaking. But if you are inspired and have the time and space to do this, I definitely recommend it as well. So for them, with the goal sheets that they give me, I actually at times create programs catered for them as a part of our warmups. And we don't necessarily do it every week, but it also takes me a month or so to get this together typically because I like to see where they're at in relation to their goals. Um, but I tend to create uh, like a mini program, say like three exercises specific for that dancer. And sometimes they might also be for other dancers as well that will help facilitate the strength that they're needing for those particular goals that they're wanting. And so by taking three exercises for each dancer in the class to cater to the goals that they're specifically working on, or one of them, maybe we do our warm-up, and then we have this moment of self-warm-up or self-strengthening that is specific to each dancer. And I typically would put the movements that they're doing either on an index card or a printout page, like depending on how much text is involved and things like that. And I would sample a lot of these movements already in the warm-ups during the beginning of the year. So during, during the first month, we're working on those things so that then when they see their special individualized program catered to them, they know, okay, these three exercises are this, this and this, and this is going to help me to achieve my goal of this. So like, for example, if we have a dancer who is really wanting to improve their jumps, I may pick three exercises that would specifically get them to that goal, such as strengthening to prepare for takeoff, strengthening and awareness for landing, and then maybe some plyometric or some other exercises within that that is going to help them to achieve the height or hopes that they are looking for. So those little self-station moments can be really important because the dancers are then seeing that the goals that they have given you, you are taking seriously and you are helping them to reach and to get them to that place. And it also can help them to sort of also develop a home program from themselves too about what are they going to be doing at home to help them and things that they can do to benefit them towards their goals even further. And I know that this might sound like a big task or a big undertaking. And so another place that you could do this is offering private lessons or semi-private lessons because this would be a great time for you to take the goals that your dancers have and to create a system for them to help them get to that. I am also, other than being a dance teacher, I'm also a certified Pilates instructor. So I like to use my background in Pilates to be able to help them with these types of programs for them to excel at their goals. But there are also so many resources out there now for dancers specifically looking for additional strength and flexibility. There are apps, there are programs, there are things, so, so many things. So you could research and look into that and help guide your dancers towards those programs if doing individual programs is not something that you have the time and space for in your class. So aside from using their names and using how and why within our praise and correction, we can also make them seen and heard by understanding what they are wanting for themselves as individuals. So that's where that goal sheet comes into play. 
other ways that you can help your dancers to feel more seen and to feel more heard, even though we're not necessarily speaking in class, is changing lines in class. So if you have a specific area for warm-up, then, and you say you have three lines, maybe with each warm-up exercise, we're changing the line so that we are constantly filtering or cycling the dancers in different spaces and so that they are closer to the front, closer to the middle, closer to the back. And for myself too, I always make sure that I am different places in the room through different exercises. So say like the first time they do the exercise, maybe I'm looking from the front corner and then the second time they do it, I'm moving to the back and maybe the third time or if it's an across the floor, things like that, maybe I'm moving to the side because I want to not only see them at different spaces and angles, but they I want them to see me at different spaces and angles in the room because I think it's important because you're showing that proximity to them and also that again it's that being seen being heard situation where they can almost feel our encouraging energy and our support in the space by just being in different areas and not just keeping ourselves in one specific zone in the room for a class Another thing that I think is so important is I truly feel there is a vignette moment for every dancer in choreography because not only does it make it interesting, but whenever you're having a feature in any specific piece, it feels special because in that moment, you are doing one specific thing and the other dancers are doing other things. And so there is so much opportunity to give each dancer a moment within your pieces, whether it's for competition or for recital. I use this as a major tool for myself because I also, like I said, I think it makes for very interesting pieces. One other thing that I do too in my contemporary classes is when it comes time for combination, I love to allow the dancers to bring themselves into the movement. So I always let them know that, yes, this is the choreography that I'm giving you, but I would love to see what you do with it. I want to see what you bring as yourself into this movement because it's not about me. It's not about the choreography that I'm giving and that moment, my choreography is not the shining star. The shining star is the dancer. And so we are giving that power back to them by allowing them to make decisions about stylistic details or little artistry moments that they can bring into the choreography that you're doing. But I like to do it during combination because when you're doing class group setting for like recital or for groups for competition, that's a little different and I know that we get into more specifics and needing to have our pieces looking clean and looking uniform. So solos might be a great opportunity for your dancers to have more of artistic decisions in what they're doing alongside your guidance and judgment, of course. Um, but just thinking about that because when we stop and think about choreography, we want to think about who is the choreography really for? Is it for you as the choreographer or is it for the dancer? And so most of the time it is for the dancer. I feel like, yeah, a lot of the time it's for the dancer. But I think it's easy to forget that because just as they take ownership over their dancing, we take ownership over the work that we do. And so it's very common for us to feel an attachment to the choreography, even if we're not the ones dancing it. So you can kind of, t you know, try this in different ways and balance it out in different ways that works best for you and best for your needs. Because, of course, there are going to be moments where we need something to be just one way, just the way that we see it. 
But I think it's so important as dancers are coming into the space, if we understand that when they're coming in, as they're growing through their lives, that they're coming in from a very self-conscious place, we being aware of that is everything. And we can talk about that. We can build that up in class. And we can also share not only how we can create a more self-empowering class setting, but how they can too for their peers. Because it's not just us that's responsible for doing this. It's theirs as well. So just some thoughts to think about in ways of how can we reach the individual within a class setting. So again, things that I brought up today was using people's names, making sure you're delivering a how and why to your corrections and praise, using student goal sheets as a means of understanding or showing that you understand where a dancer is wanting to go and that you are wanting to help them to get there, changing lines in class, uh, using the goal sheets also for private lessons or semi-private lessons if that is something that you do, featuring in choreography, you know, there's a vignette moment for everyone. So those were just a couple of things in today's episode that I shared about how you can create a more individual experience within your group. And one thing that I want to end on here with is these dancers are coming into our space to fulfill a need. For so many of them, it's an escape for them. It's not just movement. It's not just this beautiful thing that they get to do. It becomes, just like it is for us, it becomes something very special for them. And the question that we should be asking ourselves is how do we support them in this? Because they could pick anything in the world. They could, they could pick any sport, any activity, any extracurricular. They could have picked anything to be their passion, but they chose dance. And they specifically chose your place of dance to grow this love, to grow this passion. So how are we serving them? Because just as we are aware of their egos and where they are currently at in development, we need to also check in with where our egos are and do we at times need to take the eye out of the situation for ourselves because this is so much bigger than us and the way that we approach every class if we are in a headspace of mindfulness and being engaged in the present moment we are going to find such change and growth within our teaching because we are going to be able to empower and deliver our classes with a sense of true support. And when a dancer feels support, they are going to fly. Just think about it for yourself in a personal setting. Just as I mentioned, when when was the last time you felt seen and appreciated? When was the last time you felt supported? And how did that make you feel? And how can we do that and cater to each individual within our space? If you are looking for more resources about going into depth with this, I highly recommend looking up child development or psychology articles around these topics that we talked about today because it is so much more than a body entering your space. These these young dancers that are coming in, we can lift them up or we can put them down. And I know that we are all in the mindset of, wanting to lift them up and there are so many ways we can do this but one of the very first ways we can is making each individual within our room feel special feel recognized and to feel seen so 
thinking about this as you head into your class this week. I hope that it brings you a greater awareness also of what an incredible gift, an incredible job that we have to be able to nurture and support and encourage. And just know too that you are doing amazing and there is so many incredible opportunities ahead for you this year with your students that you can really work on building, empowering, and growing all together as a class and as individuals. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you would be called to rate or review us on the podcast platform that you listen to, I'd so appreciate it. Please share along to your friends and colleagues so that we can really get this message of Dance Teacher Pep Talk out there. And if you have any topic suggestions for future episodes, you can always DM us at our Instagram page at Dance Teacher Pep Talk. Have an incredible day, everyone, and we will talk soon. <laughs>